Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. Coming up. What your focus is, is what you're looking at, is what you're praying about. You, you have this thing in your, in your Bible, in your moleskin, and you're praying about it. You're believing for it. You're believing for it, and you're focusing on it. You're readjusting your world in, in order to make sure that, they're, that you're on task for them, right? It takes focus. You can't be double-minded. We go all in or, or not. We go all in when it comes to our faith. We keep no option open. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. We are finishing Dream On 2017. So today we're going to be talking about what to do with weakness. What to do with our weaknesses. When we follow Christ, we follow Christ, uh, we're going to be challenged at times by our own weakness. Um, you say, oh, I, want to, I want to follow Jesus. We're going to get challenged by our own weakness. We can, we, we, we can all become aware of our own limiting factors. When we see Christ and you're like, I want to follow Jesus, um, what can tend to happen if we don't understand the Bible and we, when we don't understand what Christ came to do is we can actually step into our, our walk, see Christ, and then feel very weak and not able to overcome things that we know, we know we're meant to overcome and know we should overcome. And we, 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 we can kind of stop walking with Christ as a result because of the guilt or because of the shame or because of the, 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 repa- the repeated kind of feeling that we are insufficient and unable to follow the standards which God has for us. Is anybody felt that way? You don't have to put up your hand. Here's the thing though, is, is that Christ does see all of our faults. He does. I mean, that's, he went on the cross for those things because he saw them. Um, and here's the other thing about Jesus is that he points them out <laughs> and it's, it, it's 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 disconcerting it's hard and it's difficult when you come to jesus and he begins to point out things in areas in your world that you need to grow in anybody feel comfortable about that i, I don't i don't feel comfortable about that i mean everybody has a um a kind of a vice or a, or, a, or a sin or something that they struggle with. Everybody do, does. I, I, I even do. And, you know, it may be your past. It, 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 may be, it may be anything that the Lord, as you come into prayer and as you... Maybe sometimes, you know, when you, you start to worship like today, how good was the worship? How good was it to do a Hindi song? Did anybody enjoy I just, I'm just like, awesome. Yeah, give it a go. If we're going to clap, we, we should clap. But... <laughs> That's awesome. That was a crummy clap, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I hate crummy claps. I've got a, I've got a. I need prayer. Um, but you know, uh, have you have you ever gone to worship, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm in church. I'm finally here. And you go to worship. You close your eyes. You lift your hands, and you feel guilty about something. You're challenged by your own weakness before God. It's challenging. It's not easy. You know Jesus got his hand on something. Your past, your failures, addictions, whatever it might be. What do you do with these feelings? That's the question I want to try to answer today. What do you do with these feelings? What do you do when God starts to point out things in you in areas that you need to grow? For me, personally, the first feeling I feel when I'm 
faced with my own insufficiencies, my own weaknesses, is fear. Fear that God would leave me behind. Fear that, that Jesus doesn't love me anymore. Fear that, that I'm not good enough. Fear that I'm constantly going to do the wrong thing. Fear that I'll never change. That's how I feel before God sometimes. But, you know, Jesus didn't come to simply point out your faults. It's not why he came. He didn't come to, 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 to kind of scan you. We don't come to church to be scanned by God and, and, and then, oh, okay, this is what you need to do in order to fix everything that's wrong with you. I'm going to give you uh, 10 things I want you to do. I want you to do 50 push-ups and then 10 handstands and then uh, count, uh, you know, 100 beads until your, all of your stuff is paid for and done. That's not what Jesus does. That's what religion does. It's not what Jesus d does. You know, Jesus is actually present to heal us. He's present, even right now, to give us victory over the things that we struggle with. This is relevant to our goals. This is relevant to what we want to do with our year because you will be faced with this as you write goals and as you believe God for your calling. You're saying, God, I'm, I know I've got a future in you. I know I've got a calling in you. But, but, but here I am with all of my weaknesses. And what do I do with all of this? Here I am with all of my stuff that I struggle with. What do I do with all of that? I don't know if I can pull this off, God, because of who I am. Jesus came. I want you to hear this. Jesus came to be crucified for your sins, for your weakness. He didn't come to crucify you. Jesus came to be crucified for your sins, for your weaknesses. He didn't come to crucify you. But how often have you walked into a place like this and felt like you need to be crucified for all your bad and naughty things? It's not why Jesus came. It's not why we worship. We worship because He set us free. We worship because He loved us first. Even before we loved Him, He loved us. His, his, you've heard of maybe of the scripture in, in John 3.16, one of the most quoted scriptures in the world. Um, if you haven't, it's okay. But the second part of John 3.16 is this. It says, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Jesus didn't come to crucify you. He came to be crucified. Your weakness, your sin, the stuff you struggle with, that is why He came. Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3 says this. It's, it's talking about, this is a prophecy about Jesus even before he came, given like 900 years before Jesus came. And it came to pass in, in the time of Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness of darkness for the prison and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow them with a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I'm telling you, there are too many followers of Christ who are accepting ashes for their guilt when a crown has been freely given. Freely given. 
the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Look at the person next to you and say, you're an oak of righteousness. Bet you've never been told that before. <laughs> a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Here is a beautiful exchange that we have in Christ. A beautiful exchange that we have in Christ. And it's this. Jesus does point out our weaknesses, but He doesn't leave it there. He points out our weaknesses so that we know it's there so he can replace it with his strength. I said he points out our weaknesses, our faults, our sin, our shame or our stuff so that we can give him that. And he replaces it with the cross. He replaces it with what he's done. He replaces it with what he is. He fills us with his spirit. It's a beautiful exchange. Beauty instead of ashes. Joy instead of shame. Hope instead of despair. How many times have you gotten before God like, oh, I haven't been praying enough. I haven't been doing this. I haven't been doing that. I haven't been, I haven't been reading my Bible. I haven't been doing all of this. I don't know if I'm worthy. Oh, these goals. I don't know about these goals. I don't know if, no, if I'm, I'm worthy of all of this sort of stuff. You're missing the point of the gospel when you do that. Just come to Him. Just come to Him. He wants to fill up your cup. He wants to fill up your, your, your soul, the depths of your soul with His love, His peace, his joy. It's there and it's not given as a reward for all of the good things you've done. It's not given as a reward for all of the good things you've done. It's given out of love, unconditional love. And you can come to him whenever and know that he accepts you. The reason I'm, I'm kind of going through these, these, these things with you is because I'm going to take you through a scripture where Jesus meets some of his followers, his disciples, and he's pretty strong with them about their weaknesses. He points out some things in them. But I, before I, I, I read this to you, I really needed to take you through the gospel. Otherwise, if you were to read this by itself, you could get a little convicted and feel like Jesus was being a little harsh. But before we read this, I want you to remember, Jesus points out weakness in order to heal us of it. Jesus points out weakness in order for us to give him that weakness so that he can give us back strength. Okay? In Luke chapter 57, verse, uh, six, uh, fi sorry, Luke chapter 9, verse six, 57 to 62, there's these three disciples that, that come to Jesus. And, and at, at this point... Um, if, if, if Jesus was to have a career, if that's what you would call it, um, this was where Jesus' whole movement and everything that he was doing was peaking out. He had maximum momentum at this point. There were followers all over that wanted to follow him. He had crowds, throngs of people. He'd become known. 
He'd become famous because he, where he would walk, people would get healed. Demons would get cast out of people. Affliction and, and sorrow and all sorts of things. There were miracles that were going on all around Jesus as a result of him being there. Everybody knew about Jesus. If you can think about the most famous person in the world right now, I don't know who that would be. have no idea. The person that's in the media the most at this point. Um, yeah. yeah, okay, I wasn't going to go there, but yep, there you go. Everybody knows that name now. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody knows. This is how, I mean, Jesus at this point was huge, okay? He was huge. It was, it was a big deal. So, so, so some people were like, well, wow, I can see this Jesus. I want to walk with him. I want to be like him. So, so um, here, let, me, let me pick up the story. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, as in Jesus, Jesus, and notice he says it in front of everyone, right? I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus' reply is interesting. It's not very encouraging. It's not, it doesn't make you feel nice. It's interesting how we come to church to feel nice. Yes, we do feel nice. But when Jesus starts to begin to point out things in us that are weaknesses and things that are actually holding us back, we go, oh, I don't feel nice anymore. You know, I, I came here to feel good. I just want you to make me feel good, Jesus. And he's like, well, I want you to grow. You know, <laughs> so, so here, here, here he just, he goes in to, to this, this uh, conversation pretty strongly and just says, well, foxes have holes. Sorry, foxes have dens and <laughs> holes, dens, whatever, shut up. And birds have nests, but the son of man, as in he's talking about himself, Jesus, has no place to lay his head. Interesting answer. I'll follow you, Jesus. I don't have a home. So basically, if you follow me, nor will you. That's what he's saying. Okay? It's like, oh, I'm not encouraged. <laughs> I came to church, I feel good. Oh, I don't feel good. Okay? He said to another man, this is what Jesus, he said to another man, Jesus goes to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Now, you would think that's not a bad answer to give. You think, oh, oh, his father must be dead. Well, if his father's dead, what is he doing following Jesus? His father wasn't dead yet. Okay? He's just giving interesting excuses. He's waiting for his dad to die, which is also interesting. Verse 60. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go back and, and, and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Once again, it's like, wow, oh, Jesus, I'm coming on a little strong here. Don't you think? Like, wow, this is like not, what's, what's going on? So you have to kind of read into this scripture a little further than what you see on the surface, because otherwise you could, this could be taken out of context. Let's talk about the first one, and I'm going to explain the three other things that Jesus said. Foxes have homes, or foxes have dens. Let's talk about that for a moment. See, Jesus was pointing out to this young man what was going to be a problem for him. When we come to Jesus, he loves us, he accepts us, he wants us to walk with him. It wasn't that he was rejecting. He didn't say to this guy, look, go away. He didn't say that. He was warning him of the cost. 
He was warning him about what it was going to actually take to follow. See, the young man saw all of the glamour. He saw all the throngs of people following Jesus. Obviously, this was a big movement. I mean, obviously, it's more fashionable, you know, to, to be within this than anything else. Oh, look at all these amazing people here. Oh, this is pretty cool. I'm going to be a part of this. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold up. We aren't here to be trendy. We aren't here to be fashionable. We aren't here to do something that, that, that looks better than everything else. So this is not a competition over here. This is something that actually means something. That we are following a God who is changing us. Who is making us into better people through us following Him. And, and part of that is, is, is like, if you were to be, you know, in psychology... When you, when the, one of the keys to psychology is in the first beginnings, if you've got any issues and you have to go and see a quack and you know, talk to them about your issues, that, that guy is gonna, or that girl is going to make you aware of what needs to change in your world in order for you to know. So Because the first step to healing is awareness, right? It's like, okay, it's like I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, he's going to help you to show you what's wrong with you. I'm depressed. I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, I was like, well, okay, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm just watching TV 24-7. It's probably what's wrong with you. Awareness, right? Okay? Yeah, this is a simple, simple analogy. And uh, you, I can charge you my fee later for my psychi psychiatry help. I know I'm not a psychologist. But, but here's, here's what Jesus was pointing out to this guy. Foxes have dance. You may want the glamour. You might see all the crowds over here. You might see what's going on here is kind of cool. But the, the, the discomfort... The discomfort was something that this man had not quite assessed. So Jesus pointed it out. I want to encourage you. And this is the reason why I started off with saying that there is a beautiful exchange happening here where Jesus gives us freedom when we bring our weakness. But when we come before God and he puts his finger on a few things in our world and we feel that sense of like, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't want to change. I like the way I am. I didn't come to change. I just came for the nice feeling. It's not how it works. Let Jesus point out what needs to change in your world. You can trust him. He's not doing it as a sadist, kind of like just to make you change for, so that you're more different than who you are. He's doing it to make you actually who you are. He's doing it in order to bring, you out, bring out of you who he created you to be. And at the time, it will cost you. But let me tell you something. What is it actually costing you? What are you actually giving up when you give up weakness? It's a kind of a trick question. When God comes to you and says, look, I want you to quit doing that. I want you to stop doing this. I want you to, I want you, to you know, you need a change in this area. This anger issue needs to change. This, this smoking issue, it needs to change. This, 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 this thing where you're drinking way too much over here, that needs to change. He, he'll point out something. There'll be something somewhere where you're like, I don't know, I'd prefer to just keep it a secret, let nobody know about it so that I can just kind of keep on doing it over in the corner. That's not how God works. Okay, he'll say, look, this is a problem. This is going to affect your health. 20 years from now, it's going to hurt you. You know, or it's, it's, it's your family. Or it's going to, there's going to be an issue somewhere. He'll bring it up and you'll be like, I don't want to talk about it, Jesus. I just want to worship you. I just want to feel nice. I want to feel good. 
He's like, foxes have dens. Okay? Birds of the air, they got nests. I ain't got no place to sleep on. This isn't about your comfort and you continuing on doing what you want. I want you to change. So what does it cost you when you have to change? What is it that we actually just give to the Lord? What's it costing you? You know what it's costing you? Nothing. It's costing you your weakness. But we feel like, we feel like it's costing us everything because that weakness is usually something that we're holding on to because it's all we've got. He wants to give you so much more. He wants to give you so much more. Oh no, I don't know, I don't know if I can let it go. I don't know, I don't know. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. As I said before, I'm not preaching this as a person that's better than you. I said to you, I, I, I struggle with the fear, right? I struggle with it. Me personally, Ryan Waters, Pastor Ryan Waters, I struggle with this as much as any other person. I want to hold on to my stuff because I don't want to give it up because, oh, it's all I've got. Jesus wants to give us so much more, so much more. The price is this. We give up our sin in exchange for his strength. That sounds like a better deal to me than anything else. And that was what he was doing for this, this young man. He was like, young man, this is going to cost you. Your, 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 what your weakness is you want comfort over here. I ain't comfortable doing what I'm doing right now. Those goals that you got written down on your sheet or you're about to write down, I'm telling you, none of them will be done in a place of comfort. It will be out of a place of hard work, sometimes pain, sometimes sweat, sometimes late nights, sometimes walking up hallways you don't want to walk up, <laughs> getting, getting in front of bosses that you don't want to be in front of. Uh, there will be, there'll be weakness that will be assessed, but you can go in with that weakness it's all good because you exchange it for his strength. Right? Okay, the second thing. Okay, the second guy. Remember the second guy? Hey, uh, let, let, uh, let me go bury my father. Well, as I said before, his father wasn't dead yet. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't have been with Jesus. So what was he doing with Jesus if his father was kind of like maybe going to die? See, here's one of the things in that tradition... Um, there was an inheritance that you wouldn't get the inheritance unless you were there when your dad like passed away you had to be there like you, you kind of you had to be there to bury your father so he was he was kind of trying to hedge his bets it's like I'm gonna follow you Jesus but uh but also there's this money uh, there's this money that I need and uh, you know I don't want to miss out on that so so Jesus is like well let the, the dead bury the dead the other side of this is, is like, I don't think this guy was quite ready. He's kind of using sort of some sort of excuse. Oh, I'm not ready to follow you yet, Jesus. Come follow me. No, I'm not ready yet. I'll, I'll just wait for my dad to die. Then, then you know, he's going to die maybe in two, three years, four years, five years, ten years. I don't know. And then I'll follow you. I just want to do some stuff over here before I follow you. I just want to do some stuff before I follow through on these goals. You know, I'm just going to do some other stuff. You, you know, you'll, you'll never be ready. This is what Jesus was telling this guy. You'll never be ready. You'll never be ready to follow through on what God has for you. You'll never be ready. You'll never be ready to stand up in front of a church and start a church. You'll never be ready. I mean, that's how I felt. I never feel ready. There's not a Sunday where I come and stand up before you where I feel ready. <laughs> it's just not. I think there was once and, and I realized I wasn't. 
You'll never be ready. Whatever it is that God's calling you into, whether it's be stand before thousands and do something, or be a mother, or, or, or get married, or, or I, I don't know, whatever it is that God has for you, I'm telling you, you'll never be ready. So stop trying to be ready. See, this is what Jesus was telling this guy. Don't worry, that'll happen. That's going to happen. Your dad's going to die at some point. Yes, yes, let them bury them. Come with me now. You'll never be ready. The circumstances will never be perfect. The other thing is, is I think this guy was letting his life be shaped by the big events of life. You know, we can do this so easily. We can let the big, we can think, we think it's the big events of our lives. That our life is suddenly going to change. It's not how it works. How it works is just day by day by day by day. Doing whatever you can today. It's the small day-to-day following of Christ where, where, where we, we think that, that maybe at some point that, you know, we're going to have that moment like there's this guy in the Bible called Saul. We've preached about him who, who just, God just appeared to him someday and, and his life was changed a, a, a crazy in a crazy way. It's not really often how it works for anybody. I mean, it does sometimes, but most of the time for the rest of us, it's this process of day by day. Get up in the morning, open your word, open your Bible. Read it, spend some time in prayer, go to work, do your best to follow God throughout the day. Let him, let him lead you, let Him guide you. Come home. Do whatever you do when you come home. Sit on the couch. I don't know what you do when you go, go home. Get up the next day. Get out your Bible. Read the Bible. Pray, go to work, come home, do whatever you do when you come home. Get up the next day. There's this rhythm of life that is there. That God wants, that's the way God is working. And then you'll find yourself in a moment where the big events happen. But life is not about the big events. It's all about the small build up. Now how, do you eat, how do you eat an elephant? You ever wondered this? How do you eat an elephant? You ever wanted to eat an elephant? Not me. They're ugly big animals to think about eating. But how would you eat one? Well, just one bit at a time. And that's how we live life. That's how we need to live life in God. You'll never be ready. You'll never be ready for the big events. But if you've, if you've spent day by day setting up ha- habits and patterns and, and rhythms of prayer, rhythms of grace, rhythms of, of just seeking God, I'm telling you, there will be this build-up in the bank. You know, anyone who's good at saving would tell you that it was hard at first. You don't have much in the bank at first, but over time, well, before you know it, you've got a lot in the bank. It's the same with him. He was telling this guy, listen, your life is not going to be shaped by these big events. Your life is going to be shaped by the day-by-day following of Christ. The third one is, uh, go, I want to go back to my family. You know, I want to go back to my family. Now, the way Jesus kind of deals with this guy suggests that he was double-minded. When he says in, in, in nine, Luke 9, verse 62, he says, he replies to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That, that's, uh, that's kind of like agricultural talk. So uh, they, would, they would plow with a, with a donkey, or with a, sorry, with an ox, and this big... Um, kind of plow would be like this thing that they would kind of stand on. I, I, probably the farmers here in India, probably in, in, out in the outback, outback is what I, I call it in Australian, um, the 
I was going to say bush, but you don't call it that either. The place where the cities are not, the farms. In, what do we call it? The fields. Okay, in the fields. They have an ox and they have a, 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 a plow and, and the ox is pulling the plow and he has to look at that plow. Like he just has to look at the ground and make sure that everything... Now, if, if he looks away, it's like, oh, he might hit a rock and his whole plow is going to get broken and it's going to be a problem for him or the rock may flip him off and might kill the, the ox because it, you know, or it might, it, the ground is going to have like this field where it's all wonky and it won't be able to be as efficient as possible. And, and this is what Jesus is saying. You need to keep your eye on what you're focused on. Anyone who is like looking around while they're at the plow is, well, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't be double-minded about this. You're either in or you're out. Now this guy, I think, he was the typical excuse and um, the, of, of, I've heard this excuse, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to be there, Ryan, but I've just got to do some other things first and then, uh, let's see. When, it's, when a person says that, you know, you've, given, you've been given those excuses, like you're, you're putting on like a dinner party or you're putting on some sort of thing and, and people are like, yeah, 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 I've just got to go and see my nana and my papa and then my dad and then my, I've got to drop off this thing and then we'll see, uh, I should be there, yeah, I'll see you there. And you're like, you're not coming, are you? I don't say it, but you know, you know, you know when you get, everyone, you know that excuse, you're like, okay, they're giving me all the excuses as to reason so that I know that when they don't come, I'll, I'll say, oh, you know, they had this or that to go to. Some of you do this and you're feeling guilty right now. That's not the reason, that's not the reason I'm sharing this to you, but this is what this guy was doing. He's like, oh, Jesus, you know, I just let me go home and I've just got a couple of things to do. I'll go and say goodbye. So it's all right to say goodbye to your parents. Nothing wrong with him saying goodbye with his parents. In fact, back in the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha, Elisha, before he went and followed Elijah, actually went and said, you know, goodbye to his parents. Nothing wrong with going and saying goodbye to your parents. But see, Jesus was getting at something that was in this boy. So don't be double-minded. Anybody who looks back, once you commit to this thing, you commit to it. Those goals on your, on your sheet of paper, I'm telling you, you've got to commit to them. They won't happen if you're not committed to them. They're not going to magically happen because you wrote them down. I'm sorry. I mean, we, we kind of like, okay, I've written it down now. It's going to happen. No, 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 no. This is just, this is like what your focus is. This is what you're looking at. This is what you're praying about. You, you have this thing in your, in your Bible, in your moleskin, and you're praying about it. You're believing for it. You're believing for it and you're focusing on it. You're readjusting your world in, in order to make sure that, that you're on task for them, right? It takes focus. You can't be double-minded. We go all in or, or not. We go all in when it comes to our faith. We keep no option open. See, this is what Jesus was teaching in this scripture. And I've got a slide for it. It's just this. You count the cost. There's updates ready to install, by the way. Count the cost. Did we get the slide? Yeah, good. Count the cost. What's the cost? Your weakness. You'll never be ready. Life isn't shaped by readiness. It's, by, it's shaped by just everyday, everyday events. And three, don't be double-minded. Have your, have your eyes fixed on Christ. That's all Jesus was talking when he said foxes, was talking about when he, had fo when he said saying foxes have dents. Let the dead go and bury their dead. And don't be double-minded. That's, that's all he was saying. 
Comes across harsh, but that's actually what he's saying. Like, I, you know, like some motivational sort of talker could sort of make a lot of money out of this. Count the cost. You'll never be ready. Don't be double-minded. You want to see what, you're, what God is leading you into, the goals that you've got? Count the cost. You'll never be ready. And don't be double-minded. Right? Why did Jesus want our sin? Why did he want to go through with this beautiful exchange? Why did he die on the cross? Why did he do all of this? You know why? Because he wants you to live your best life. He wants you to live the life that he created you to live. There's a version of you that he created. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords, creator of the universe. There is a version of you that he created. It's your original purpose. It's your original reason for living. He wants you to live that out. So when you come to him, he's going to say, okay, there's some things here that need to change. But we don't have to be like, oh, I'm going to change right now. I've got to do this. No, we're just like, okay, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. And I'm trusting you. I don't know if I can overcome this, but I'm trusting you, Jesus. He'll take you through the process of stripping back the things that you don't need in your journey of life. He'll take you through that process. It hurts at times. It's painful at times. It's like sometimes it'll be like, have you, know, have you ever, I know this is kind of gross, but you've ever you've had a scab on your leg or something like you've, you've accidentally brushed it up against something and the, the scab comes off. It hurts. It's like, oh, that really hurts. Sometimes it's like that with Jesus, you know. It's like, it's like we're brushing up brushing stuff off us that we, 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 we didn't really need. It didn't need to be there, but it hurts to let it go. He'll take you through. I started this series talking about um, how for this year we need to strip back things that we don't need. Um, and I, I gave an analogy about, about when we uh, travel for the first time, we overpack. We overpack like we put in five t-shirts that we don't wear. Anyone done this? They're like, oh, I might need 20 extra pairs of underpants. And you get to the journey, you're like, why did I, why did I pack so many underpants? Or um, some of you don't pack enough. You, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, uh, we, we, we overpack. We put in things that we don't need. We just put in stuff we don't need. Well, Jesus is like, don't overpack. Don't expect to carry dead weight that you're not going to use. So there are things in our worlds at times where we just, Jesus has is, is just put his hand on it because he wants us to get rid of the dead weight. There's, there could be unforgiveness in our world where we're like not forgiven people. Well, or there could be some, some real bitterness because of stuff in our past. Or there could be, it could be issues that we're working through. Jesus is like, you know what, it's time to just let those things go because you do not need them for your journey. You're overpacking. You're overpacking. And he wants to, whatever mourning you have, whatever, whatever pain you have, whatever bitterness you have, he wants to replace that with joy. And <laughs> joy is light. Joy is light. That's a good thing to pack on your journey. You aren't going to get charged over baggage for having too much joy. Is that scary when you come up to the counter and they're weighing it? There's always, always that fear that your bag's going to be overweight, right? I hate that feeling. It's like that person has so much power over my life right now. 
That's how your computer says no. <laughs> you, you cannot come on the plane with all of that. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus wants us to pack light. Reshmi, I'm not going to read these out, but can I just hold it? Reshmi's done hers diligently. The way these are going to get done is by packing light. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it with holding on to stuff that you don't need to hold on. And, and Jesus is trying to get into each one of our hearts. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like he has to break in, you know. It's like, you want to do this and I want you to do it, but you can't carry that anymore because it's going to hold you up. And uh, as we all stand, I, I just want to close the service and we're going to pray for the, uh, the goals. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, if these uh, messages have been helpful to you or you're getting a lot out of them, we'd, we'd really love to hear from you. Uh, why don't you get in touch uh, via our website or on our Facebook page. Thanks. <laughs>